TV Reviews. I am your host, Mo, and today, y'all, we are going to be discussing one of my favorite shows on right now, and that is A Murder at the End of the World, Season 1, Episode 5, titled Crypt. Y'all, I hope y'all had a wonderful weekend. I have missed y'all, okay? For those that actually do celebrate Christmas, we are down to our last days, y'all. And let me just tell y'all something. Most still ain't got nothing yet. Okay, but I work well under pressure. Okay, but for some, yeah, they, they, they may just have to wait until after. Because when I tell y'all, all I'm pulling out is lint. <laughs> and a hope and a dream. <laughs> but like I said, y'all, I hope y'all had a wonderful weekend a pretty decent weekend all right without further ado let's go ahead we're gonna get right into the synopsis and then we're gonna get into the episode y'all so the synopsis for this one is darby confronts her prime suspect only to find the tables turned and an unexpected alliance formed until someone else dies and her own life is threatened Uh uh-oh y'all what's happening happening okay of course we're coming off the shocking revelation that bill is actually zoomer's biological father and that's exactly where we pick up okay so of course zoomer is explaining his disease to her and she was like is that a cold no it's not okay uh i actually sneeze when i'm exposed to bright light and so she goes over and she smells him okay and then we immediately get a flashback of her doing the exact same thing to bill and he was like girl why are you sniffing me and she says just in case i lose you one day Ooh, eerie 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 profound so after she tells him a little bit of what he smells like and he does the same to her they actually smell smoke okay so they turn around and we see that there is a brush fire or um a forest fire because they're in the middle of nowhere they're like in the desert or something like that i don't know where they are (laughs) y'all but um she was like come on we gotta go and he was like in a little bit it ain't gonna be nowhere for us to run and that's exactly where they find themselves at this point because look where they are now or look where she is now she's literally in a freaking hotel smack dab in the middle of nowhere land okay so um just as she's remembering all of that she comes back to reality and zoomer is like girl why are you smelling me like you're being weird i gotta go and so as he's walking out, here comes the nurse and she's coming to check on Darby and uh, she thanks Zoomer for being such an excellent doctor to his patient. And so she was like, hey, uh, so I got some questions that I need answered and, and I don't want you to leave until you answer them for me. And so she starts asking these questions about morphine and um, all of this medical equipment in here. Clearly somebody is sick okay you got morphine you've got a pacemaker you've got all of this stuff somebody is here sabotaging okay somebody purposefully did this stuff and so 
push comes to shove and Darby does finally get the nurse to acknowledge that yes, somebody purposefully turned on the pacemaker. Somebody did steal some morphine. And so she was like, is that the morphine that was stolen to kill Bill? And so she doesn't really say, and she's like, girl, my dad is a medical examiner, okay? Somebody obviously is being treated here, okay? You got enough morphine to knock out 50 horses. And she was like, oh, you say your dad is a medical examiner, huh? So that means that he signed a HIPAA oath, right? Well, you know that I'm a nurse. And so since I probably signed that same HIPAA oath, you know that I can't disclose patient information to you. Okay, touche, girl, touche. <laughs> and so she ends up asking, where are Lee and Andy? Because she still got more questions than the answers that she's not willing to provide. And so she's like, are they on the other side of this door? I bet you they are. And so she ends up using her ring um, to basically open up the elevator. And oh, girl still doesn't want to give her their location. And she was like, girl, we can hit all of these floors. It don't matter to me. Okay, I got all the time in the world. Where we going? Where we going? <laughs> and so she finally relents and they go down to the ninth floor where we find Andy and Lee and Zoomer all having dinner. And so she tries to excuse Darby and why she's there. She tries to explain it away, but Andy is like, it's cool, okay? Go go check on Todd and Eva and everybody else and, and make sure they're okay. Come on, Darby. Come on in here, girl. You want something to eat? You want to play? So Darby gets straight to business and was like, look, okay, the questions that I need answered, it is probably advised that no kids be around during this time. And so that's Lee's cue to go ahead and take Zoomer, okay? And so he starts getting upset because she was like, come on, let's go read King Arthur. And he was like, but it's almost time for bed. I don't want to, just being a five-year-old, okay? He don't want to do this. He don't want to do that. And so he's throwing a tantrum. And so Andy was like, she's trying to read him King Arthur, but I want him to be King Arthur. Okay, you see how we think differently? We on different levels, girl. You see why I got everybody out here? And so, Darby goes straight for the gusto and was like, look, I know that you got Bill here because, um, you know, you basically wanted to kill him. Bill found out that Zuma was his, and so he came to, to uh, stake his paternity, and he had Rohan that was going to be his witness, okay? And once... uh. Once you realized that Bill was Zoomer's daddy, you had him killed, but then you had to kill Rohan too because Rohan knew the secret. And so he was like, girl, I ain't got no reason to kill Bill. As a matter of fact, I knew that Zoomer wasn't mine. I've been knowing that Zoomer wasn't mine. You want to know how I knew that? Because I've been sterile since I was 19 years old, okay? Not even my wife know that. I ain't told nobody that secret. You the only person that know that. In my head, I'm thinking, damn, did Lee ever try to say the Zoomer was yours? Like, do she still think that you believe the Zoomer is yours? Or do y'all have that understanding that you already know what it is? Questions that need answers. I wish Lee would have stayed in there because I would have loved to see her reaction when he revealed that. <laughs> but either way, Okay, he knows that Zoomer isn't his, and so he was like, look, I already knew that, and regardless of how I feel about that, I'm very grateful for Bill, because he was the one that provided the hardware 
okay, to, to get Zoomer here in the first place. But in every aspect of that, that baby's life, he is mine, okay? When he falls, I'm the one that pick him up. When he cries, I'm the one that comforts him. I'm the one that rock him to sleep. I'm the one that read him stories. I'm the one to do this. I do this. I do that, okay? I'm the daddy, <laughs> Okay, he might have provided the hardware, but we all know that the most important part of any system is the software. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, that is not a good analogy. You should have said something else because that just it's, it's just not hitting for me. And so, <laughs> so then um, he was like, I already knew that, okay? And so she was like, well, who killed him? I don't know. Well, what about... uh? what about uh david and so he was like uh, uh i mean maybe somebody took the morphine okay well what about todd and eva i mean maybe them too and so she was like how i know it wasn't you and so he ends up pulling up his phone and showing a picture of marius and he says that marius actually came to get him and eva when um when the shit had went left, would I believe uh, it was either Rohan or Bill? I think it was Bill. And so she finally realizes that the person that is sick is Andy. Andy is the one that's been getting the treatments. And so he was like, Yes, it's true. Um, whether I'm going to confirm or deny, I wasn't there. Um, but I, I have been getting treatments at night to keep my son from getting scared okay i don't want to scare him with what's happening now i don't know if what andy got is terminal or what have you maybe is something that's curable i don't know but either way he's receiving treatment right now and so he was like look it ain't me it could be bill uh not bill <laughs> todd eva david somebody but either way it's somebody that's close to me because I, I feel like somebody is after me. Because Darby was like, okay, well, who will have the motive to kill Bill? He was like, girl, you have such a blind spot right now. She was like, I ain't got no blind spots. And he was like, how come you don't? Because this entire time you've been thinking that this is all about Bill. When it's really about me. Okay, somebody's out here trying to sabotage me. They see my kingdom. They see my crown. They're trying to snatch my crown from me and take everything that I don't work so hard for. So, what I need for you to do is help me figure out who's trying to sabotage me. And so she was like, what? Yes, girl. Okay, I'm asking you for your help. See, you, you different from everybody else. You don't have a hidden agenda. And not only that, but you hella smart, okay? Now, if you go knocking on somebody's door to try to get the answers that you're looking for, you think somebody finna open up the door for you? No, okay, because they know that you're smart. And if they're the killer, then they probably gonna, they probably gonna know that you see their tails or whatever. But if we get together and we work together as a team, if I go knocking on the door then maybe I can get you the answers that you're looking for. What you say, Darby? And so, y'all, I think 
that Andy and Darby are going to team up to try to figure out not only who is trying to sabotage Andy, but who killed the love of her life. So since Darby and Andy are now in cahoots, he opens up to her a little bit more and shows her his LIDAR skin, which basically gives him an overall holistic view of the hotel 24-7, right? Security within security itself. And so he goes on to say that he can see everything that's happening in the hotel. The only thing that he can't see or he doesn't have access to is people's bedrooms, like inside their rooms. But he has access to, you know, the main hallways, public spaces, anything that's like within a 10, uh, I think he said a 10 foot or 10 yard radius outside of the hotel itself. He has access to all of that. And so he goes on to tell Darby that um, when Bill died, he was actually getting life extension therapy from Eva. And he shows her where he was at 12.06 when they got the call about Bill. Okay, so he's got an alibi. And so then um, he goes on to... Well, Darby tries to get access to the time frame between, I think, 1130 and 1230. But Ray was like, girl, I can't give you that information. And so Andy gives it a shot. <clears throat> and we see that Lume, Marcus, Marius, and, uh, why well, say Marcus? Martin, Marius, and somebody else were playing poker around the same time that Bill was killed okay that so they're out and so they also do um a filter for people that had entered their room by 11 30 but hadn't left out either so this leaves them with maybe like 10 or less people that still need an alibi and so they end up seeing david well what about david darby remembers seeing david in the hallway and she also remembers seeing him on uh, the camera when she had hacked into the system and she remembers running into him when Tom Thomas when she had ran into Thomas while Eva was ushering her out of Bill's room and so she was like okay well let's go ahead and ask him what he was up to so y'all he comes in and y'all already know that he don't see Darby he sees her as a nobody okay he's trying to minimize her position there and why she's there and so he was like I don't even know why I have to answer questions to this a non-player character when we need to be on the phone with BlackRock and Andy had to put his ass in check real quick and was like bro ain't nobody's a uh, position at stake except for mine so your best bet is to go ahead and answer whatever question she gotta ask you and so she ends up asking him you know what were you doing within that 10 minute span because when she first saw him on the camera I think it was like at maybe uh a little bit before 11, uh, 12 or like right after 12, but he was in the hallway for like a 10 minute span. And so she was like, what were you doing? And he was like, oh, well, I was finna get ready to head to another guest room. Well, whose room? And so he ends up revealing that he was finna get ready to go to Oliver's room. And so Andy was like, damn, you trying to poach my people? And he was like, no, okay. I have other reasons as to why I would want to go have conversations with somebody that, that don't have anything to do with business. And he was like, I don't, I'm not going to answer no more questions without Mark. Well, who is Mark, you might ask? 
Mark happens to be David's lawyer. All right, cool. Well, since you want to plead the fifth after this, then we'll just go ahead and head to Oliver and ask him. So y'all, Oliver reveals that the reason that David was in the hallway was because they was messing around, okay? And so Oliver says, look, here the tea. We initially messed around like around 11.30, okay? But before things could get finished, he got a phone call, so he had to take the phone call. Well, he stepped out, he had the phone call, and then he came knocking on my door again around midnight. And so they was like, okay, well, what was his what was his demeanor when he came back the second time? And he was like, oh, well, you know, he was a little agitated, but he still wanted to go and play in the sheets, so I obliged. So he was like, what? You looking at me like you thinking just because I'm disabled that I can't mess around? Oh, no, baby, you go ahead. You do what you please, whatever makes you happy, whatever floats your boat. But Bar uh, Darby realizes that the treading on his sneakers is a little warning, so she asked him, you're not fully paralyzed, are you? You can walk, can't you? And so he actually reveals that yes, he can walk for short distances for a short amount of time. So do y'all think that David put Oliver up to something or do you think that they were in cahoots? Now, Oliver does reveal that he did not like Bill because he felt like Bill was a phony, but that was not enough motive to kill him. My question is, how long have him and David been messing around? And do you think that David might have propositioned him to the point where he would have killed Bill if David asked? I don't know, y'all, but David is looking real suspicious to me. So once Darby is safely escorted back to her room by Todd, he's opening up the door for her and he expresses his condolences to her um, about how sorry he is for her losing Bill. And then he tells his own story about his brother and how his brother was basically bullied um, by a group of guys and said that the guys ganged up on him, hit him with a bat, and then they pushed him into the river where he drowned, okay? He drowned in, I think they said, two feet of water. And so he said, slowly but surely, he tracked down every guy that was responsible for ganging up on his brother and causing his death, and he beat them within an inch of their life. Long story short, he respects, you know, her being loyal to Bill, okay, being, being a loyal friend to him. And he says, but his loyalty lies with Andy and Lee, okay? basically like okay girl you getting too close if they tell me to go i'ma go okay. i was like damn <laughs> they'll threaten so as he's opening up her door to her room she realizes that there's no heat in her room he says that one of the generators went down and so they basically have to conserve uh power and heat at this time so that's why she doesn't have any heat in her room and so he leaves her to her devices and she ends up, you know, uh, cleaning up and I think she takes a couple of pills and she basically like breaks them down and she starts to snort them. Now, I'm not sure if these are painkillers. 
I'm not sure if these are for the concussion. I'm not sure if this is like Adderall to keep her up and keep her focused at this point. But Ray keeps warning her about this concussion. And she's like, I know, Ray. I know, Ray. I know, Ray. And eventually it gets to the point where Ray done got on her nerves so much, y'all, that she ends up yanking, I guess, like his way to communicate with her out of the wall. Because <laughs> he done pissed her off that much. So, after that, she goes to the washroom in her room, and she's basically, like, trying to psych herself up, like, you got all of the pieces, you just have to fit them together. All of a sudden, she hears this thud, right? And so, she goes back, and it's Tomas at the front, okay, or so we think. So there, Tomas is at her door, and he's asking her, does she want anything to eat? And so she was like, hell no. I mean, in her head, she just heard a thump. She's not sure where it came from, but it was really close. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe it's somebody next door. Maybe somebody done died in the room next door. And so he was like, I got I got food for you. And she was like, no, that's okay. You got anything that's prepackaged, though? And so he, he uh, shouts off a couple of different options for her. And she was like, all right, just leave them at the door. I'll get them in a minute. <laughs> okay don't want to open up that door too quick it may be a trap so so after he leaves she's getting ready to uh walk back and finish doing what she was doing when all of a sudden somebody steps out of the shadows behind her door and pins her to the floor and it's like one of those uh atomic voices where it's um it's a computerized voice and it's basically telling her to back off, okay? This is a never-ending never labyrinth. If you get to the center, you'll still never figure out what happened to Bill. So basically, back off, okay? I don't want to hurt you, and I don't want to be responsible for your death. Don't force my hand. And so as she's laying on the floor, pinned down by this mysterious person, we get another flashback, and it's Bill and her, okay? They're in the car, and... He's basically trying to have a moment of intimacy with her. Not like physical intimacy, but like mental intimacy. And so he's talking to her and he's telling her about the time that he fell in love with her. Okay. And he explains to her that there were three significant occasions where the feelings were kind of confirmed for her. Uh, well, about her. And so he says that the first instance was when she told him that she could speak to the dead. Um, and it's not necessarily um, the fact that, you know, she was intrigued by it, but it's more so about she sees the person, like their whole life story behind who they were aside from their death, okay? She sees the holistic picture versus just being intrigued by another dead body and how they died and all of that, okay? Your, your typical stuff. She sees beyond that. And then he also says that the second instance was when she walked into the bar and they met for the first time. And so as he's having this vulnerable moment with her, she asked him about the third time, but he says the third time hasn't came just yet, okay? But he can feel it coming, um, but he said that the second time that they met, he said he knew from that moment that he was going to know her 
for the rest of his life until the day he died. Again, foreboding, foreshadowing, but y'all, I was just like, oh, Bill, like he's being so vulnerable in this moment with her. And when he asked for her to return that sentiment, some y'all she just she can't she can't get out of the moment okay and so he's asking her and she was like oh no 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 and just when it seems like she's going to admit her feelings for him she goes on to say something about this ring and how somebody had reached back to her and said that the ring that they were mentioning it may be the owner of the ring and not necessarily the first victim and so he was like, well, damn, okay? And so she was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just post it on Reddit, like, completely in her her own world. And he was like, do you ever stop working on a case? And she was like, huh, what? Just not taking time to be present in the moment with him and be in love with him because she's so perplexed by solving this case, okay? That's her true love is the mystery of it all having to figure that out, that out the puzzle not him being in love with him and so he realizes that and so she was like you know maybe i'll post it on reddit he was like yeah maybe you should and so he pulls over and he he walks outside and so i'm thinking like okay maybe he's gonna go pee because they're still in the middle of nowhere well he sits down i guess to like have a moment to think for himself because he's coming to the realization that Darby will never be in love with him like he is in love with her or maybe he was just taking a moment to enjoy the sunset um the, the sky was really pretty like the sun was peeking through the clouds it was a beautiful scene at that moment and so she initially peeked over at him and saw him walking and then all of a sudden she saw him sitting down and so she ended up joining him and so he starts to mention the phones and how back in the day in the 40s when they were in the movie theaters, you know, th there were these pictures of them with these these cigarettes, okay, and how they used to smoke all the time. And so he was like, yeah, cigarettes killed us back in the day, but I mean, the phones are basically doing the same thing. Like the cigarettes, yeah, they harmed our bodies, but the phones are doing the same things to our brains, okay? We're not here. We're not present. These things are slowly but surely killing us as well. And so as he's making this profound statement, she goes on to, she finally gets it. Like something in her realizes that she needs to be vulnerable back with him. Maybe she was just scared at first. Maybe she didn't want to admit her feelings to him, you know, because she she just doesn't want to get hurt but she goes on to say that the first time that she realized that she was falling for him was over the phone and so then we come back to the present and um i think she calls bill i'm not sure if she called bill before or after but when she calls bill she asks him um, what was the phone call about? Okay, why did Bill call you before he died? 
And he asked her, instead of answering the question, he asked her, was she high? Because remember, she had snorted some pills, but I'm not sure what they were. And so he never answers the question. And so she starts to write down all of these questions, like, why did Bill call David before he died? What is Lee hiding? Um, and then there was another question in between about a Zoomer or a Zodiac or something like that. I think it was Zodiac. But I couldn't see the rest of the question because we were we were looking at the paper through her point of view. But because she's suffering from this concussion, she's going in and out of these spells of dizziness. And so the room is blurry. OK, so she ends up going to go see Sean. And y'all, Sean was like, girl, about time. It took you long enough. Where have you been? Now, she's got this emergency tracheotomy or she had an emergency tracheotomy um and her voice is still really raspy at this point it's bandaged up so she can now use her vocal cords again because they finally got their damn helmet off but the nurse reveals that she has been fighting an infection okay and i'm assuming that this is pretty serious because they still got her hooked up to the monitor like sean don't look like sean sean looks sick so she apologizes to sean um you know, because if it wasn't for her being curious and, and trying to figure out what happened to Bill, then that wouldn't have went out there and she wouldn't have been caught in this predicament in the first place. And so she was like, it's not your fault, okay? Um, you can't predict the wind. You can't predict the ice. You can't predict the snow. Um, you know, you can't predict cruelty. It just is what it is, basically. And so um, Sean is talking to her. And vocally, Sean is struggling. And I was like, damn, do Sean need some racemic epinephrine or something? She got strider. Like, what's happening? <laughs> Fix it, y'all. Does she need a breathing treatment? You know, albuterol makes everything better. Okay, it can cure everything. If you're in the medical field, you know that joke. So I was like, give Sean something. Okay, this infection shouldn't be this serious. So because she's not hooked up to anything, just a monitor. Ain't no IVs going, no nothing. I don't see anything. So she's telling Darby to figure out who she can trust. Um, you know, she's so smart. She'll figure this out. She just she has to figure out who she can trust. And so Darby reveals that um Zoomer is not Andy's biological son. And she asked Sean, did she know that? And Sean was like, no, okay, I didn't know that. But I do know that Andy loves that little boy more than anything in this world. And so she ends up saying that initially she didn't know what Lee loved. She thought that Lee loved the money. And so Sean reveals that Zoomer makes thousands of dollars per day because he has a trust set up. And so since um, Lee is Zoomer's mom as long as Zoomer is attached to that money then she has access to that trust as well and so um, like I said Sean starts to mention that um, Darby needs to find her somebody that she can trust so she can figure out what is happening and who did this to them to Bill to Rohan to her and I was like damn Sean finna die and so she ends up asking Darby to go get her some water 
And I think she did that on purpose because Sean knew that her time was coming. And so when she asked Darby to go get her that water, of course, that's exactly the time that she flatlines. And so at this point, because Sean had asked for uh, the nurse to give her and Darby a couple of minutes uh, of privacy so they can have, you know, this conversation that was needed. And so by this time, when the monitor starts going off, here comes the nurse rushing in. Darby, what did you do? Darby, what did you do? And uh, this is not a nurse, y'all. This is a doctor. And so when the monitor starts going off, I'm like, what school did you graduate from? Because she does not perform any type of life-saving measures ain't no drip started, ain't, ain't no epinephrine given, the, out of all of those damn medical devices in there, y'all ain't got no ambu bag, y'all clearly have oxygen here, so can we not hook this up, can we start CPR until, until we can get her back, I don't think Sean was too far gone to not, not be able to save her, but that's just my opinion, y'all, <laughs> So at this point, everybody now is crowding inside of Sean's room. Y'all, Sean is dead. Rest in peace to Sean. I'm so pissed at this because I feel like they could have saved her, y'all. So Andy ends up confronting Darby and was just like, it seems like wherever you go, death follows very quickly behind you. Okay? And so she was like, look, <laughs> you were right all along, okay? The person that is out to get you is a lot closer than you think. And so she starts to try to tell him about Lee's different identity that she has in her backpack. And so he was like, girl, okay, no. Why don't you just wait until the police get here? Because, I mean, you've been wanting to talk to them all this time. And you should get that rest that you've been saying that you want so badly. Remember, you're still going through concussion protocols, okay? So you're feeling the effects of that. But um, go ahead and wait till the, the proper authorities get here so you can talk to them. Because this is all you wanted anyway. And so she ends up getting ready to walk to her room. And y'all, I don't know if it was a sense of dread. I don't know if it was her intuition telling her, girl, don't you go in your room. <laughs> it might be somebody out to get you. She looks outside and she sees Zeba and Lume. They have started a fire, okay? And I, I think they were supposed to be on lockdown. So much for that, right? So she steps outside with them and she confirms to them that, yes, Sean did pass away. And so Lume mentions how Sean had said to her that uh, atheists, she said something about atheists being in the foxhole and then she said something about atheists there are no atheists in the foxhole, and then there are no atheists on the moon. And so she said that once Sean returned to, uh, from space, she was saying how she couldn't even kill a spider because she realized just how precious life was. Okay, and so rest in peace to Sean. And then uh, Ziva goes on to mention how they may reach the tipping point, okay, because they see Martin peeking around the corner okay so martin comes out and joins them and ziba goes to goes on to explain how one person uh it, you know just i guess revolts <laughs> against um you know 
them saying, oh, well, you're not supposed to be outside of your room. So if one person does it, then they're just an outcast or they're going against the rules. They're a rule breaker. Two people is, uh, I guess, in agreement to whatever rules they're going to be breaking. Well, four, that's the tipping point. Okay, so he comes out there and he shares his uh, whiskey, which initially Darby thought it was coffee. And so then after that, Oliver comes out, okay? He come rolling out there. And they're trying to figure out just why in the world they've been called here, okay? We're getting picked off one by one. What, what do we think this is? And so Darby ends up explaining that when she went to go talk to Andy and Lee earlier in the day, she went to like an underground bunker okay that was their house but it was really an underground bunker it was like nine stories down and so she goes on to explain that that's probably what the robots are building and that the robots are also building a separate one as well that's probably what Andy was showing them okay what are they getting ready for the end of the world all of these ex uh existential uh crisis that are, that are happening here as far as the climate and the weather and all of that that's what we're prepping for and they start to talk about how only the privileged and the rich and you know the the blue the blue collared people are going uh not the blue collared um the the old money people are going to be able to get invited to get to stay here at this bunker once the end of the world actually does come okay and so um i guess they're supposed to be like riding it out there <laughs> and so they talk about how this is supposed to be like uh an interview for their scholarship and then uh marius comes out there and is like hey so there's another big windstorm that's supposed to be coming um, y'all may want to come in. And so Ziva ends up flipping him off and she was like, I bet y'all just lost my scholarship. <laughs> you might have, girl, but you a rebel with a cause. I love her. So, um, of course, they're still going on and on. And Oliver is like, well, you know, uh, well, if you don't want to come here, then maybe your grandkids will, uh, be great, grateful for this opportunity to come, sir. <laughs> My my grandkids ain't going to be here because they too busy looking at their damn phones on TikTok, okay? They going to end when the world ends too. That's what Lumay said. And Lumay said she ain't coming because she's a communist. She's not going to be invited to this, okay? Um, aside from this point, if, if she didn't have this opportunity now, she would never probably be, be invited to something like this. So um, Martin says, you know, my people have always been able to withstand the test of time. We done went through several different crises before and then survived them all. Okay, so this is just another Tuesday for me. Come on, Martin. Okay, I love it. And so they, uh, Zeba mentions how uh, she is part of a nomad tribe where her ancestors were. And so, you know, once somebody dies, then they do stop for a few days to actually grieve. Um, and then they go ahead and like bless the wind with that person's name that has passed away. And so she does Rohan. Um, um, Lume, she does Sean, and then when it's time for Bill's name to be called, they all look over at um Darby, 
And Darby has this flashback, right? So she says that she won't be able to call his name because if she does, then he may never come back. He won't come back. And so I'm not sure if she's... She's still in shock, okay? She's in disbelief that Bill is gone. Now, I'm not sure if there may be something more to this that I'm not understanding, but as she says that, we get the flashback, and she's waking Bill up out of his sleep because she's figured it out, okay? She's she's found him, him meaning the serial killer. So this is where we were at the beginning of the show when they had snuck into that house. And so... As she's explaining to him that she figured out the ring and the owner with being Ebel, the whole name was Eunice Bell, and she was able to track Eunice Bell through like ancestral DNA and uh, a few other things, and and reading some of the local newspapers as far as like tracking the rest of the family tree. And she said that Eunice Bell had gotten married, and um, her and her husband had had a kid. And then once her husband died, um, that ring had got passed down to her son when he was going to get married. Um, And then he gave it to his wife. Well, his wife ended up dying? Yeah, her son's wife ended up dying. And so they passed it down to uh, the next generation, which was their son, Okay, so Eunice's grandson now has possession of this ring. Well, it turns out Eunice's grandson was a cop um, for a little while, but he got dishonorably discharged or he was let go of because he had discharged his weapon without reasonable cause, right? So he was a cop, I believe, for like 10 years. And then when she started to mention the wife, she says that the wife didn't die but the wife actually just up and disappeared, okay? And so that's how they were, she was able to track track the address um, of where the serial killer lived, okay? So she's going there in hopes of finding his wife, but the wife is dead, right? They both know that. And so Bill is looking around the room and he's like, whoa, like maybe we should back out of this because... I see how this is having an effect on you. You're taking uppers, you're taking downers, you're not sleeping, you're not eating. This is having a really bad effect on you as a person and your health. I'm concerned about you. I'm I'm more concerned about you and your well-being than trying to solve this case. And so she was like, you know what? I thought that you were going to be different. Clearly, you don't understand what I'm trying to accomplish here. Okay, you're just like everybody else and everything else. And so as they're going back and forth about him trying to make her understand that she has more to live for than just this case, this case is slowly eating her alive. All of the the papers that she has pinned up on the wall, they start to catch fire. So she has said that she had took some Adderall to try to stay up, but she's also been drinking as well. Okay, because we see empty um, alcohol bottles laying around. And so then, after this catches on fire, they put it out, she goes to hug him, and he tells her, again, all of this foreshadowing and these eerie phrases that he's telling her to make her understand, it makes sense to her now in the present, now that he is gone. But he tells her, after they put this fire out, that she's not going to love him until he dies. 
Y'all, it is so sad. And so then all of a sudden we come back to the present and now she's like trying to catch her breath. She's overwhelmed. They're trying to get her to calm down and take deep breaths. And she never says his name. She gets up and she runs off. So I'm pretty sure that hopefully she has found whatever missing piece she needs at this point. So Darby takes it on back to her room, y'all. And she puts the little audio box that connects her to Ray back in place. And Ray pops up and she says that she wants to enable her projection so she can talk to him. She just needs somebody to talk to, okay, to to bounce her thoughts off of, to to really be vulnerable in this moment with somebody that's not going to judge her or hold anything that she says against her. And so she starts to say how she doesn't want to be uh, awake anymore. She wants to sleep. And she compares life to a Brillo pad, okay? Um, you know, as you go through things in life, it starts to rub away on your skin. And then by the time you look up, I mean, you are completely raw. You have no skin. And so she says now at this point, she, she has no skin. Okay. And she doesn't know how to feel about it. And, um, she feels like she's being silly talking to him, but he reassures her that, you know, people do this all the time, and as a matter of fact, the first robot that was uh, that was able to provide some type of therapeutic uh, sense of calm or uh, a therapeutic message to uh, the people that were talking to them was created at MIT in the 1940s. I think he said the name was Eliza or something like that. So no, you're not crazy, Darby. Thank you for talking to me. I hope that I can provide some type of... Uh, some relief for you in some aspect, okay? And so just as she's talking to him, she starts to see the lamp go in and out, okay? Um, as far as like the lighting. And she recognizes that this is Morse code. So the code that she receives tells her to come to the pool at 2200 hours which is military time for 10 o'clock at night so she arrives and she looks around she doesn't see anybody remember it's freezing cold but um at this particular pool i think it's got the hot springs and so she ends up taking her clothes off she gets in the pool and we hear some metal clinking but she was like f it okay it's cold i need to warm up um she doesn't have a coat on so she gets in the pool and she goes down there and we start to see all of these flashbacks um, of just life and um, how she got to this point as far as, um, you know, the, the papers burning in the motel, her and Bill having these intimate moments, um, just all of these different events that were significant to her life. And then all of a sudden, she hears this whirring noise. And she comes out of, you know, her days. When she looks up, y'all, the pool cover is closing over the pool. And so she tries to race to beat it so she can get out. But unfortunately, it closes right when she gets to the very end. And it's a clear covering, so you can kind of see through it. And she does see a shadow 
a silhouette of somebody standing right on top of the glass just looking down at her and she's beaten on the cover and this person is just standing there y'all and that's the way the episode ends is darby going to get out of course she's gonna get out right but who's going to save her who else knew about her coming to the pool besides this person that tried to set her up to die i don't know y'all maybe ray reached out to somebody i don't know maybe it was lee uh a mate no sean knew morse code i don't know who else knows morse code y'all but y'all let me know what y'all think okay you can reach me at menu tv reviews on facebook and on instagram you can also reach me at my tv reviews podcast without the s on the end at gmail.com y'all i love y'all okay and i'm super excited about this show and where it's gonna end up uh depending on how it ends i hope that it has a second season because i Y'all, I really do like this show. And I like the who done it of it all. Okay. But I hope that by the time we get to the end of this, I hope that it all makes sense, right? And there are no uh loopholes in some of the storylines. All right. So yeah, just let me know what you guys think, okay? I love y'all so much. That's all I have for now. So until we meet over the airwaves again, I am Mo and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.